Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vakalskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. I'm joined by Kate Winkler Dawson, who is the author of the brand new book, All That Is Wicked, A Gilded Age Story of Murder and the Race to Decode the Criminal Mind. It is available everywhere. Kate is a uh, author, a writer, a podcaster. She's got a couple of great podcasts out there, too, that uh, Tenfold Most Wicked is the one that I've listened to. And, Kate, I know that uh, the, the Gilded Age tips us off that it's the late 19th century, but Edward Roloff, a lot of people have heard about him, but the way that you have him presented in this, it's a, a tale that has not been told. Can you set up what you were trying to accomplish with All That Is Wicked? Sure. So All That Is Wicked is about Edward Roloff, as you mentioned, who is a genius academically. He was an expert in, in uh, linguistics in the 1800s. He was also a killer who killed four members of his own family for different reasons, and really what this is about is exploring the criminal mind 150 years ago, where I had always thought the original mind hunters were from the 1970s, like from the TV show, the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit, where they would go into prisons and interview Edmund Kemper and Ted Bundy and you know, gather information about what made these men kill, what makes someone with psychopathy kill, and I didn't realize that a hundred years earlier, another group of mind hunters went into a prison and interviewed Edward Bulloff, all to figure out how this man who presented as this country gentleman and academic could then turn around and kill people um, with seemingly no conscience about it. I've always been fascinated with the idea of these mind hunters because it seems like we've come so far in science with so many things, but it seems like it's really at a standstill as far as understanding the criminal mind because they're all different. Am I that far off? No, you're not far off. And I think now we know, you know, in the 1800s, they thought it was all nurture. There was, uh, you know, well, no, sorry. In the 1800s, they really thought it was all nature. And what that meant was people were born to be criminals that couldn't be changed. There was no rehabilitation. You were destined to be a killer. And now we know it is a mixture of nature versus nurture. And mostly what we're learning is that people with psychopathy um, have a predisposition to be at least manipulative and violent because of a lack of gray matter in their brain, an actual structural difference between someone who is neurotypical and someone who isn't. So you're right, there are a lot of different motives, but the, the motives that people use to kill 150 years ago are, are the same that they do now. Jealousy and anger and envy and in Edward Ruloff's case, um, uh, there was uh, revenge and removing obstacles. So while there are a wide array of, you know, different things, there I think there's some commonalities. There's usually some kind of a trigger with someone, something that causes the violence to start, and it's not blaming victims, it's just part of it. There is something usually that makes someone uh, make that kind of a decision that, that are mostly well aware that this is going to lead to death or imprisonment. So while the causes can range, they are sometimes predictable, and that's what we've begun to learn over the past 150 years. It seems like so much of mind hunting is backward looking, and so as the 
as science has evolved and we've tried to understand the criminal mind, is there anything that makes it not only predictable but preventable? So it's one thing to say after the murders have all happened that, well, this was completely predictable. Is there anything preventable about it? Well, it's interesting because there's a slippery slope with at least psychopathy because you would think that when people have psychopathy with this structural difference in their brain, you could just do an MRI of a nine-year-old and find out that they have psychopathy, and what would you do then? I mean, would you keep an eye on them? Would you, is it like minority report where you would label them? So there's a slippery slope, at least with psychopathy, of predicting people's violence. But if you look at one of these school shootings where the young man literally drew a, a drawing about what was going to happen, and his parents ignored it, and then they, they've been charged, also, so there are things that are signals that people either ignore or they're so entrenched in whatever else is happening in their lives that they choose to ignore them. And, and that's what makes things difficult is, like I said, there are triggers and there are people who turn in family members because they believe something bad is going to happen. And it can be hard for authorities to then do something about something that may or may not happen. So it's very difficult um, to, to predict things, but it's really understanding the signals that you're looking for, particularly with psychopathy, someone who has a lack of remorse, someone who um, you know, really thinks about themselves only, someone who has a lack of empathy. I interviewed somebody with psychopathy one time, and I asked her, you know, how would, what would happen if you accidentally backed your car over your cat, which is a horrible, you know, example to use, but I felt like it was pretty extreme. This is your cat you've had for 10 years, and you accidentally back your car over your cat. And she said, I would not feel badly for the cat. I would feel badly for myself for being inconvenienced over the cat, having to, you know, pick up the cat and dispose of the cat which I thought was a really interesting way to think about this, that these, some of these people are, have the inability to care about anyone uh, but themselves. And I interviewed a forensic psychiatrist, who, and I said, you know, these people lack ethics, they lack morals, people who have psychopathy, and she said, that's not true. They absolutely have ethics and morals. They are their own ethics and morals. They don't fit the ethics and morals of the standard society. But they certainly have lines that they don't cross, and they have a belief system. It just doesn't happen to be our belief system, so, which I thought was really interesting. It's one of the more interesting things that I discovered. I'm chatting with Kate Winkler Dawson about her brand new book, All That Is Wicked, A Gilded Age Story of Murder and the Race to Decode the Criminal Mind. The, the other thing that I think comes into play in this is the Constitution, because you know it's one thing for science to identify these things constitutionally, Authorities are pretty much limited on what they can do, aren't they? Right, they are, very much. I mean, like I said, what are you going to do? Say that this is someone who seems to lack remorse, you know, a, a young person, or even not a young person, someone who you just feel something's going to happen, but you cannot arrest someone or surveil someone just based on an instinct. And that's what's so unfortunate. But that is also, right, part of society. I mean, I would hope that that would not happen to me if I were someone who hadn't demonstrated any sort of penchant for violence. But what I think you can do 
is pay attention to the people around you. you about 2% of the male population is, um, has psychopathy, is what experts predict, 1% to 2%, which doesn't seem like a lot. But if you think you've got 100 people you know, in your sphere, you've got one person who likely has psychopathy. And I had asked a psychiatrist about the difference between men and women because female, traditionally less than 1% of the female population has psychopathy, except it gets misdiagnosed oftentimes because men are the ones that are predominantly studied. And so you have these people who study psychopathy who are begging for funds to study more women. And I asked a forensic psychiatrist, what's the difference between psychopathy and men and women? How does it present differently? And he said men are often violent or they lead corporations because they know how to make an emotional decision and they are incredibly successful and not violent. Or in women, they are manipulative. So he said the male, the male psychopath might kill you. The female psychopath will ruin you financially. So I thought that was an interesting difference. And, of course, women can also be violent. I, I think women don't get enough credit for their ability to be able to be violent. You know, it's almost like this 19th century demure woman who women absolutely have an ability to be violent. All right. Well, we just scratched the surface of all the things available in this book to <laughs> learn about all that is wicked, a Gilded Age story of murder and the race to decode the criminal mind by Kate Winkler Dawson. It's available and check out her podcasts. And if you never read American Sherlock, by the way, that's another book that Kate put out that was just fantastic. Kate Winkler Dawson, thank you for joining me to discuss all this. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. You've been hit by, you've been hit by a smooth criminal.